Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. It's exciting to be here. Exciting to gather, exciting to spend some time together, and most importantly to spend some time with you. Lord, we're reminded that the power of your words are able to change our life. That, Lord, we don't have to be, we don't have to leave the same as we came. You loved us so that you want the best for us. And as we quiet our hearts this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of that today. That as we look at our own lives, that, Lord, we would be and contemplate what really matters most. Remind us of what's important in our life today. In your name we pray. Amen. Passages out of John 11, 55, and then through 12, 11. Something good going on here. I just want to encourage you to, uh, to think about this story as we talk about it. They're eating food. I know. I think it's all of us get all right with that, right? We like food. There's a little more going on than food, but that's that's what happens around this story. Eleven, uh, John eleven fifty five. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many people went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus as they stood in the temple courts. They ask one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among the reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, Why wasn't this perfume sold? And the money given to the poor. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. May God add his blessing to the reading as we continue to sing this morning for bringing us together. Thank you for reminding us who you are. 
Thank you for your love. It overcomes all those areas in our life, Lord, that we can do nothing about. Your grace is so much bigger. Your love is so much bigger. Lord, as we take a look at our life this morning through the lives of others, may we be reminded that life is short and must be accounted for. That you went to the cross for each one of us because you loved us so. Your life was cut short so that we might have eternal life. Let us not forget that this morning. Quiet our hearts, Lord, as we spend some time in your word. As we spend some time thinking about this dinner party. May it remind us about our own dinner parties in life. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'll try to be nice to you, Ken. My kids prepare me pretty well. (laughs) That's true. So I missed you guys. I don't know if you missed me, but I missed you guys. I really enjoyed the 77-degree weather. I'm not going to lie. There is a sun. It shines. It's bright. You have to wear your sunglasses. It's pretty crazy, huh? There is a world where alligators just live on the side of the road, in the side of the ditch, in your backyard, on this little park, there was this little trail. It says, hold your dogs on the leash because the gators will eat them. <laughs> I got to admit, my wife was like, just stay away from them. I am, I'm glad we don't have alligators because I guarantee I'd be poking them with a stick. They were that close. There was a fine. It was a $500 fine if I poked them there. I wasn't allowed. I had to behave politically correct. I don't know. It was so cool. He was right there. I was just like, oh, dude. I could... he, he had his eyes closed. He didn't even know I was there. But then he went, bing, and he opened his eye. I'm like, oh, he is alive. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> oh, man. I've never seen alligators before. I know it doesn't take a lot for, my, for me, you know. That wasn't the reason we went, right? Um, we did have a good time. Uh, eight days is not long enough to spend with your grandchild, uh, but it was cool. We went to church. I got to tell you about our church experience because I, I learned a lot about church uh, just in one weekend. So we looked up online for a church. We thought, well, we probably should do a, ba- a Baptist church, right? That'd be closest aligned to what we were. So we, we didn't want to get any, I, you know, I don't know. It could be like snake charm. There's snakes there, so there might be snake char- I don't know. So I'm like, let's go the safe route. So we, we find a Baptist church. It looks like a nice Baptist church. We drive up, and it's like on this back road. It's sketchy. Uh, we, pull, we pull like up to it, and there's like four cars in the parking lot. I'm like, eh, is this a cult? What is this? <laughs> so we're like, oh, what do we do? So we do a UE, and we come out, and we're like, this guy, and it said the uh, Google's like, it's on the other corner. We go to the other corner, there isn't even a church there. So now we're really confused because the address to the church we were supposed to go to doesn't exist. So 
I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to lose out on our church experience. I wanted to go to it. So we drive up around the corner, and there's a church. And you know what I saw? I saw a few of you guys. It started at 1030. It was 1040. And guess what they're doing? <laughs> I know. I, I might be in here, but I know. I can tell who comes in late. I can see you going down the aisle. So we saw these. So we saw, hey, we'll just be late, right? Then we don't have to talk to anybody. We don't have to be introduced. Oh, it wasn't bad. I didn't have to tell them I was a pastor or nothing. Sat in the back row. No, they didn't know. I, we never told them, actually. Um, they played worship music for a half an hour, so we just kind of cut in. That's what people were just kind of filtering in. So I was like, hey, this is cool. So we, great church, uh, pastor. The mission, there was a missionary uh, speaking, and it was one of those guys. He was a retired missionary, and he, was come, he came to speak, and he played the trumpet. So he played us this uh, trumpet song. I don't remember what the song was, uh, but it was loud. But he had hearing aids, and I think that might have been, they might have been turned down because he was, he was cranking it out for us. Anyway, though, Pastor Joel was his name, and this guy was one of those, he had a, a sermon that he probably had preached 50 times, you could tell, because he had everything like, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. He had some where it rhymed, and he would just go on this roll, and it was almost like a rant. It was like, rrr, rrr. I was like, this is impressive. It was fun. It was fun to sit there and... Uh, and watch someone else do it for once, and uh, uh, it, was, it was exciting to go. Uh, we had a good time. Uh, but I did learn some things. I learned some things that we do. We probably should do a better job here of uh, making sure we know, people know what time we start, because that was one of the hardest parts. Like, do you go to church if it's 10 minutes late, and what do you do? Do you walk in? Do you walk in the corner? Do you hide out in the back? Someone's going to see you. Or you just walk right, or you just, you just walk right in. <laughs> Uh, that's true. So, oh, you know what? You know how when you lose a week, you lose your mind? Ha, I found it. So, I lost my mind and the clicker. Couldn't find it. I forgot about it, actually. That's, that's the one thing. You get recharged, but then you don't know your own directions out of whack. So, um, it was an interesting week. It was a great week, actually. Uh, but there were a lot, a lot of time for contemplation. Uh, I, had, I lost a, a friend that I used to work with this week, and I got a text that said, hey, pray for this guy, collapsed at work, uh, 58 years old. And, uh, and it was, this is funny, and, and this is from my buddy, who's not a believer, that I just continue to run, we continue to cross paths. Don't ever give up on those people who aren't believers in your life. Don't give up on them because there's, there's something about the faith that attracts people. And I, and I just dawned on me just now. He, he texted me from work and he said, and he sent me a picture of the ambulance and he said, pray for Wayne because he collapsed. And I don't know what's going to happen. And, I, and, I, had a and I, I responded and I said, you know, Mark, you just never know when you're, it'll be your day. And and I, I, I hope to see him tomorrow at the funeral or tonight at the showing. But so that was weighing on my, my mind this week. There was a young man uh, from Wattsburg that uh, he, I don't know what happened. He passed away this past week. And it was a young man that I met in the middle school years ago. And I couldn't remember. The name just clicked and clicked and clicked. And finally, I found a picture that it triggered my mind. And that weighed on me pretty heavy this week. So there was a lot of this contemplation about life, and then I see this brand new baby, and that's like amazing life, and it's like, whew, 
And you really begin to think about what is it all about, right? What is our life all about? Are we just wandering through this life hoping to catch a glimpse of God? Or are we just wandering through this life? It seems that when you're young, you don't really think about those things. As you begin to get older, you begin to realize that your time is limited. And as your time is limited, you begin to, I think, reevaluate. And reevaluating is good. And so this passage just happened to be about the pathway of life, the life of Lazarus, um, who mere days before this or a week maybe uh, was dead and God raised him. They, this passage doesn't hardly even talk about that, right? But it talks about this dinner. We're going to have a party. We're having a party because Lazarus was dead four days. The passage says he stinketh. Don't unroll, don't roll that stone away because he stinks. And Jesus brought him back to life. And they're having a party, a celebration, a dinner in, in honor of Jesus and a dinner in honor of, honor of Lazarus and this moment in time. And it reminds me that we probably need to stop more often and take account of our own life. To take account of what's going on in our life, where we're headed, where we've been, and where we want to go from here. There are three people in this passage that really stick out to me. There was Jesus, there was Lazarus, and there was Mary. And so we're going to kind of look at them from each angle. I hope that's okay with you. Good. Glad you're okay with that. I want you to think just for a moment about uh, those times we celebrate over food. Those times we celebrate over a dinner. When's the last time you had a dinner and you sat in the corner by yourself and everybody got their own little spot and no one talked during dinner? That's not what we do, right? That's not what we do. We get together. They made tables with eight spots. And then at the church, we string them all together. So you got eight times. So there's 32 people at my table, right? And then if it's not my table, it's the, my neighbor's table. And they got 32 spots. There's a reason we get together around the table. I think it's very interesting that Jesus, in his last week on earth, knew what he had to do. He knew what the mission was. He knew he was going to go to the cross. Well, what's he doing in the middle of that? He's having dinner with his friends. There's something to be said about having dinner with your friends. It reminds me that Mike, Pastor Mike, thank you, by the way, for preaching last week, talked about the Seder meal. There's something to be said about sitting around the table together. And I want to encourage you. Uh, that will be an, ex it's a very intriguing evening. Invite, I want you to invite your family. Your whole family is more than welcome. There's a spot for the little guys too. It's not this quiet, somber, uh, no one can speak kind of thing. It's, it, it's this fellowship. And there's a part for the little guys uh, to, to be a part of that. The only thing we need is you to sign up so we know how many people, to, how many tables and stuff to put up. But I want to encourage you because there's something to be said about that relationship. 
And Jesus plays that out by saying, I'm going to spend my time with my friends and family. I'm going to spend that time with people I love. And this is in the, the final week. This is a, maybe not, there it is. That's a picture from a few years ago, uh, chili cook-off. And there's people eating there. I won't tell you who they all are, but you might be able to tell a few. There's something to be said about taking the time to be together. See, I think one of the struggles is we always say, I don't have time. I don't have that time. And maybe it's, I don't want to make that time. Or maybe it's, that's not a priority in my life. This week reminded me of those priorities in my life. They reminded me, I was reminded, we would get up every morning, we would drive 40 minutes to go see this baby, and we could just sit there all day and hang out, right? I'll just, all right, yeah, no one, that child didn't sit in the bassinet or the swing or anything for a whole week, at least not when we were there. <laughs> oh, she looks like she's going to cry. Oh, <laughs> someone better pick her up. I tell you that because I didn't, I'm not much for this the flying, the trip, the getting away. I always I have so much responsibility. I have so many things to do. And yet, I needed to be away. And I want to encourage you that there are relationships in your life. There are relationships in your life that are being just pushed aside, that are being left, that are not being encouraged. And it might be as, uh, as close as your spouse. Seems like the people that are the closest are the easiest to put off, are they not? I tell my wife, I'll see you tomorrow, right? Because <laughs> I got other things to do. I got, I'll, I'll catch you at nine o'clock as we pass. Hey, it's good to see you. And my wife says, you know, it's good to spend that time together. Jesus took the time to spend with his family and his friends. At a moment when he was about to go to the cross, he was going to go to this, it was a rough week. He made the point to do it. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes have a struggle. I sometimes say that I'm going to do something and I don't get there. I, know, I don't like that I do that, but I do that. And I do the same in my devotional life. And so I want to ask you that this morning. How about your relationship with Jesus Christ? What does that look like this morning? Because he's not in our face, he's not calling us on the phone, it's sometimes easier to just kind of forget that we have a relationship with Jesus that we need to continue to cultivate. There's a scripture in Mark uh, chapter 7. It says, the, this, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And there's a, there's, a, there's a challenge on the next, very next verse. It says, you have to let, let go of the commands of God. Oh, it says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human tradition. They took and they went from what was God's stuff and they made it human stuff. They worshiped in vain. 
I want to tell you and I want to encourage you that I have learned one thing about my devotional time over this past probably 10 years. It's not about how much you can read each and every day. I don't have a problem if you read a chapter a day or a book a day. Awesome. If you read that much, that's great. I can't. For me, a lot of days, I read one or two verses. Because it doesn't matter how much you read if you don't ever absorb that. It doesn't matter how much you read if nothing ever changes. My challenge to you is to read less. To read one or two verses. Get an app that comes up on your phone. And spend the time thinking about that one verse and how it affects your life. See, because an elephant... Does anyone know how to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I knew you would know that one. Right? Our spiritual life is like that. We're not, you're not going to be perfect tomorrow. Even if you were able to read the whole Bible tonight, you wouldn't be perfect tomorrow. I believe God does it in a great stepwise version, right? He does it in these small steps, small steps, small steps, small steps. One little step after one little step after one little step after one little step. Pretty soon you've eaten the whole elephant. I want to encourage you in your devotional life to take a look at how you're doing it. And if you aren't growing in small steps... You're probably not growing at all. I want to encourage you to read that one verse and read it three or four times in a day and think about how it affects your life and what you may do differently. The second person in this passage is Lazarus. And I don't know about you, but he got a second chance at life, literally, right? We say that a lot. I got a second chance at life. He got a second chance at life, literally. There's nothing like a near-death experience to bring clarity to one person's life. I have a friend who uh, uh, I saw about three weeks ago, and uh, he's doing really well, actually. But he was going through life just doing his normal thing, following God, and he had a heart attack. And he had a heart attack, and I think he had four or five uh, bypass. And he's been off for about five to six months. And he's finally, I think he went back like last week. But he said, you know, there's nothing in this life that will help you find clarity than something that almost kills you. He said, once I realized that I was that close, he said, it totally changes the way you see life. Now, he and I have some things together. He, he loves to hunt, so he, didn't, he wasn't allowed to have a gun. or wasn't allowed to hunt for six months, so he had to post pictures of his... He's a muzzleloader guy. And he had to post all these pictures, picture after picture. And I was talking to him, and he's like, I just can't wait to get... I, I finally got cleared I'm allowed to go. And it reminded me that, you know... God gives us those second chances. He gives us those moments in time where we can make an adjustment. And I think he cares a whole lot less about the stuff we've done in the past than we do. 
I think that's one of the struggles in the, in the church. We get so hung up on the things we've done that we can never look forward to the things that we could do. We're so hung up on what we've done wrong. We forgot that God's grace covers that. And for some of us, it, it, it's so anxiety-driven that we, can barely, we barely can breathe moment to moment. It begins to absorb and eat us alive. I have a, a verse I want to share with you this morning. Whoops. Out of Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 8. If you have anxiety, if you struggle with anxiety, you need to hear this. These are four verses that you need to memorize. You need to memorize these for the rest of your life. I didn't think I struggled with anxiety, but I memorized these verses because these are powerful, powerful verses that remind me what's most important. The scriptures uh, in Philippians 4, 4 through 8, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let, this gen- let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about every- anything, but in every situation, by par- prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding, even though you don't understand it, it will guard your heart, your mind, in Christ Jesus. And here's the the part that I like, because it reminds me that there are some practical things I need to do. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, I challenge you to think about something that is true that you can find joy in. Something that is noble, that you can find joy in. Something that is right, that you can find joy in. Or pure, or lovely, or admirable, or anything excellent or praiseworthy. Begin to think about those things. I can't help but think about that old hymn, Count Your Blessings. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Anybody know the next line? Then you'll see what God has done, right? It's amazing. If, you would just, if we would begin to do that in our own minds. We serve a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Lazarus had another chance. Literally had another chance. would be remiss if I didn't show you this picture, right? I don't know how that got in there. Oops. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a scripture in Ezekiel 36. I want to share this verse with you. Ezekiel 36, 26. It came across my Bible app this morning. And I want you to listen how Ezekiel talks about the heart. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Our sinful hearts are hearts of stone. And God wants to give you a heart of flesh. He wants to change that part of your life. He wants to make a difference in your life. The problem is not God. 
The problem is us. And finally, we, we look at Mary, who gave freely. And this has just been on my heart for a couple months, about the things we have. And I'm not talking about money and finances. I'm talking about the things that God has given us, our gifts, those things we are able to say to encourage other people, the things that we find easy to do that aren't that easy. The gifts that God has given you, each of you, has been given gifts. The challenge is whether you'll use them or not. Scripture says that every community of faith has an ear, it has an eye, it has a mouth, it has a nose, has a big toe. So if we're missing something, one of you is not being the big toe, right? I'd be the big. I would like to be the big toe. Just saying, I like that. I like that. Mary gave freely. So here was the normal practice of the day. Someone would come in. They would have dirty feet, right? They might have sand. Anybody? I hate sandals. I despise them. I, I can't. I, I'd have to wear sandals with socks, and then I, I still that's that's sketchy. I didn't. Not going there. The only time my socks came off, come off is in the shower, and then I had to put them right back on. So these little feet, they're pretty tender. <laughs> but the, the, the thing that happened then in that day was that people would wear sandals, and there was no pavement. So they would walk for a couple miles, and, of course, if it was warm, you would get a little sweat on your foot. Pretty soon you got brown feet, mud, brown feet. And people would come to this dinner, and we know that, um, that Jesus would end up washing the disciples' feet. But that was the normal practice. Usually there was a servant to wash the people's feet. And so what they would do is what we do nowadays, really not all that different. They would have a bowl of water, clean, and they would put one drop of some kind of scent. This perfume, they would put a drop of perfume in there, and so it would be mixed within the water so that when they cleaned their feet, they, one, had clean feet, and they smelled a little bit better, right? Because who knows what they stepped in. That's, I mean, right? So they smelled a little bit better. So that was the norm of, for the day. And then they would have a cloth, and they would wipe the people's feet off as they reclined to have dinner. But they just put one drop. Mary did something a little bit different, maybe a lot different. Mary thought otherwise. She wanted to give God all she had. Everything she had, she was willing to give to Jesus. And then she used her hair. She used her hair to wash his feet off. Well, we were, uh, last week, my... My eldest daughter, she really likes lavender, the smell of lavender. And so we were in the car, and there was this little bottle of lavender. Like, and she's like, hey, give me that bottle. She was in the backseat. And I don't know how, I mean, the bottle was only like, looked like a teaspoon. It can't be much more than that. And, I, and then all of a sudden, all of the whole car is like lavender. Poof. It's like someone exploded this lavender bomb in the car. Now, I don't mind lavender, so that was all right. But it reminded me of this passage because it was like the whole house smelled 
of this nard, this beautiful perfume that Mary had poured on Jesus' feet. Mind you, a lot of times they would take that, that, uh, that perfume would be used for burial. And Jesus references that. Of course, I don't think they have a clue what he's talking about at that moment, but he references that this spice would normally have been used for a family burial. They would have poured it, keeps the stink down, right? She poured it all over his feet. And then there's always that one guy. There's always that one guy. Judas says, why did you pour that all over his feet? We could have sold it. Don't you know we need to fill the coffers? Don't you know? And I have to ask myself this question. Am I more like Mary or am I more like Judas? And I'm not asking for the church answer, right? Because that's easy. Well, of course we would be more like Mary. But I'm asking for your honest answer. We're talking about a year's wages. Poured all over the feet of Jesus. And I ask myself, can I be like Mary and give freely? Or am I more like Judas and want to count every penny? And so I asked you that question as we finish up this morning. Where is your heart? Do you have a Mary heart or a Judas heart? Because I'll tell you that life is much better much more well-lived with a Mary heart than a Judas heart. We like to say that it only took one drop. The reality is, it took a lot of drops, didn't it? Jesus gave his whole life. He gave his life freely on that cross for each one of us. If you don't have a relationship with that Jesus, I encourage you to really contemplate that this morning because your life is not well lived if you have that heart of stone. Jesus wants to give each and every one of us a heart of flesh. But if we have not repented of our sins, we have not come to him and realized that we have a need, we have that heart of stone. Don't leave here with a heart of stone this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you this morning. We're thankful that we can gather together. Thankful, Lord, that we have lives to live, that you have given us, each of us, Lord, a special story, a special path, a special plan. I just am amazed, Lord, at how unique you have created each and every one of us. We all have a unique skill set. We all have unique gifts. We all have these areas in our life, Lord, where we struggle. And yet, you fit us perfectly amongst us. Your body, your blood was broken for us. That our relationship might be one with you. Lord, encourage our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.